Hello everyone, welcome back to Tangent Podcast. We are so happy that you have decided to listen to us again. Or maybe it's your first time. If so, welcome to the Tangent Podcast, where we are going to teach you about everything mysterious, creepy, unexplained, unsolved, and many more. Um, I, I am one of your hosts, Jack. And I am your other host, Austin. Good to be here. It, it's, it's good to have you. I'm happy you, you were able to show up. Me too. That's nice. Thank you. You bring a certain aura to the to the to the, the cast of yes. Pod that that no one else can really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> today uh, we are going to be sticking with uh, Arizona. We talked about a little bit about Arizona in our last episode, and if you haven't heard that, definitely go check it out because it's it's pretty crazy. We talk about. Um, some some mysterious lights that showed up over Phoenix and most of Arizona, and we also talked about skinwalkers. Skinwalkers, that's right. And I did post some photographs of the things we talked about on our Instagram page. I don't remember if I posted on any other ones. We're gonna get it up on Facebook tonight. Yes. I'm working on that. You you can don't be in charge that. of Facebook, okay? Because I don't know how to work Facebook. And it's kind of I don't really either, but I'll figure it out. Good. <laughs> I think you can link the two. So when you post on one, it automatically oh, posts on the other. Because I think Instagram is owned by Facebook. Yeah, I think it is. So we'll, we need to figure that out. Um, ooh, I'm looking a little loud. Um, we need, you know what we need is a social media intern. An intern? We can provide you with a social media internship at zero pay. I'll pay you in snacks. Yeah, we'll pay you in snacks. You will work incredibly long hours with no benefits whatsoever, except for that you could hang out with your two favorite hosts. And get snacks. And you get snacks. And uh, we'll, we'll put part of the do fund towards you. Ooh, yes. Speaking of which, we have had our first donation. Really? From Chris Huff. No way, our buddy, Chris. Our good old buddy Chris. Shout out to Chris. Shout out, big shout out to Chris. He is, he's the greatest. He's beautiful luscious red fiery beard i i love it so thank you chris yeah and he said he was sharing it all over his uh twitter really uh, this podcast so that's awesome he is the greatest now oh man i'm kind of sad because i don't get to see chris anymore yeah yeah you should be dang yeah i i just quit where jack and i worked before so i don't get to see any of my my old pals from there all of you have been with us from the start you know who you are the OGs of the Tangent Podcast. Mm. So, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Chris, again, for donating to the Do Fund. You're awesome. Big shout out. And, yeah, if you're feeling generous, we'll, we have, uh, we'll put the links in every episode. And don't forget to go follow our social medias. And... And email us or contact us on social. Oh, right. Email us. For sure. Definitely email us your experiences or DM us. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Slide PM. DMs, yep. Personal message or direct, direct message? message? What's personal I mean, either. They're the same thing. But all the youngins are saying DMs today. Okay, all right. Got it. Slide into our DMs. Right? Yes. That's how you say it? Yes. We, cool. are, we are up to date with the terminology. Howdy, all you kids. Yes. Is there a meme like that or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> I should stop. Um, well, yeah, thanks for tuning in again. Um, 
Like Jack said, we're going to keep it rolling with Arizona today. We're doing a special true crime episode dedicated to a couple cases from Arizona. But before we get started on that, I just wanted to share some quick news from outer space. We love our outer space news. Tell me what you got. Space news is awesome. Uh, So this is from space.com. Scientists have discovered a second alien planet around the star Beta Pictoris, which is, there's a a star called Beta Pictoris that's about eight times larger than the sun, and it's about 64 million light years away, which I did not know is considered relatively close. That doesn't sound close at all. I know. So isn't the light year meaning, like, if you're traveling at the speed of light, it would take a year? Yep. So 64 million of those. Isn't the speed of light, like, a billion miles? That's not true, but it's very quick. Yes. Uh, so to put that in perspective, the size of the universe... Do we well, know the of size the of the observable universe, universe oh, they say. Okay. Um, is about 93 billion light years. That's a lot of freaking yes. light years. And the diameter apparently is even greater than that. So it's not consistent both ways. It's kind of like oblong shaped according right. to what we can observe. So 93 billion light years is the total observable universe, and this is 64 million light years, so a fraction of, just a fraction of space, relatively close. Nothing within our lifetime reachable, though. Oh, no. No way. No way. So we can see this this star, Beta Pictoris B. It's basically the sun of this solar system. And they've found, they've been studying gravitational pull on the sun for about 10 years, um, and noticing that it's been slightly affected by something there, uh, meaning that there's something that has tons of mass that's there affecting that gravitational pull. And they finally saw, I don't know how they saw this, but they saw the planet, and it's apparently a huge planet that they are calling, oh, I don't even think they have a name for it yet. Uh, they, they got some numbers, letters <laughs> thing for it, I'm sure. We're going to name it right now. It is Jim. planet... Cool Planet XJ7. I hate that. Okay, fine. Um, why don't you name it then? Dave. Dave. Okay, we'll call it Dave. Oh, also in Space News. So that's it for that one. Um, the main thing with this new planet is that it's also relatively new. This solar system is only about 23 million years old, which uh, relatively new and young. Um, and so they're thinking that by studying this solar system, they can kind of study how our solar system was formed like in the early stages of its formation and that's helpful yeah so i mean it basically just lets us know how how our planet and how our solar system came to be which is kind of cool because i feel like we have theories now of the big bang and everything but we've never been able to observe that so it's true this could either confirm or completely blow our theories out of the water that we have right now which is which is cool yeah And then another thing, uh, back in 2006, today, Pluto officially lost its planetary status. So sad. So, rip to Pluto. Is it still not a planet? I've heard, like, throughout my entire life, I've heard, it is now, it isn't now, it is now, it isn't now. I don't know what they're saying now. Let's see. I think it's officially not. Is Pluto a planet? I think the fact that I saw that headline probably means that it's not a planet still. I mean, you're probably right, but I'm not happy about it. Hey, Jack, you heard yeah. about Pluto? It's messed up, right? That's messed up, right? So, yeah, that's another space news. Honestly, yeah, just kind of cool stuff from the universe. We discovered another planet, and it'll give us insight as no, to... No, it's, it's not a planet. Not still not a planet. Okay. 
Pluto, we still love you. You'll always be a planet in our in our eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, yeah, that was that was what I had for space news. Oh, also, uh, if you listened to our last episode, we talked about Mike Hughes, the uh, flat Earth daredevil, oh, yes. who was attempting to launch himself five thousand meters into space on a homemade steam powered rocket. And believe it or not, his launch was delayed because he bought a bad water heater off of Craigslist. Imagine that. So the moral of that story is if you want to go to outer space, don't buy your stuff off of Craigslist. KSL is way better, and you can find pretty sure KSL is only a, only a Western thing. Yeah, Utah, that's true. Idaho, Wyoming. That's probably it. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I'm sure each respective area has its own yeah that thing facebook marketplace yeah you could use that one better than craigslist don't use craigslist just anything but craigslist ebay yeah especially Mm. if you want to go to space maybe go to nasa's surplus store is that a thing spacex yeah cool thanks for that yep um just something i I remembered that we haven't talked about but it happened a while ago remember did you see that they they photographed a a black hole? I saw that, yeah. It was interesting. The pictures, I mean, you don't see much in the pictures, but it's... Well, yeah, it's yeah. a black hole. There, There's nothing there. Right. I'm but you can see the light curving around it. And it was super blurry, because I'm sure it was super far away. But it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, really, you just see an absence of light. Right. Because that's, that's what a black hole is, is nothing. Right. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. You're right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's our that's our space news. That's another thing. I mean, because Einstein's theories of relativity and basically all the scientific theories we have break down around black holes. We have no idea like how physics and stuff mm-hmm. work there. So by photographing that, maybe that's a start to learning how like, things work. Yeah, observing that right. in real life. Next step is throwing you through it. Right. Spaghettification, my friend. Yes. Speaking of black holes, you guys did you see Interstellar? No, you never saw Interstellar. No, I haven't, dude. It's an amazing movie. Christopher Nolan, my G, love his movies. He hasn't made a bad movie yet, not a single one. Anyway, um, it talk it kind of the whole premise is about a black hole. Not the whole premise, but the whole premise it relates to a giant black hole, and they do a bunch of physics in it and whatnot. And I I read online that it's like one of the most accurate physics movies in the world kind of thing Mm. and they had a world-renowned physicist his name was uh kip thorne yeah and uh name he he actually went to usu really yeah no way yeah that's cool and yeah he was an executive producer on it and he did all the all the physics research for it and like apparently the the video of the black hole or whatever is apparently like the most accurate representation we have or something like that wow anyway it like all of the physics in that movie is 100 percent correct until he goes into the black hole obviously spoiler sure. right sorry <laughs> but um yeah it's it's pretty sweet how how they did that and how they made it look how they made it so real and everything like they used einstein's relativity how like since they were on a planet that was so close to a black hole um one hour on that planet was the equivalent of seven years back on Earth. So if they were just chilling on that planet for an hour, then back on Earth, everyone would have been seven years older. Wow. 
and they would only age an hour. But it's like 100% true with Einstein's theory of relativity. Right. See, that concept is like, I understand the concept, but when I think about how it affects people, it, it blows my mind. It's, I, it's nuts. Like, actually putting it into practice and seeing it, it's weird to me, but... Yeah, learning how time and stuff works in the universe. Because, I mean, it's a human construct, so it's really not applicable anywhere else in the universe. But You might be hearing some breathing right now. That would be my puppy in the background there. He's trying to sleep. Hey, Thatcher. Yeah, so if you, if you hear some puppy noises, just ignore them. But anyway, on to... Arizona, Arizona true, true crime. I'll start us off. Uh, I am going to talk about a man named man named uh, Chuck Morgan. Now, Chuck Morgan is a good-looking man. He was born in 1977. No, sorry, that's when this happened. I don't know. This happened in Tucson, Arizona, though. And so, what happened is when he was 39 years old, uh, he was a he was a businessman, and present of his own escrow company i think that's stocks and stuff right financial things right so he's probably a pretty smart guy if he's the president of it he looks like a sharp fella he does he really does and so what happened was that it states that he was a potential witness in a state land fraud case involving involving a known crime boss so he might have gotten in with the mafia not mafia Maybe. I don't know. Crime family. Organized crime. Yeah. And on March 22nd of 1977, uh, he left his Tucson, Arizona home to drive his two daughters to school, and then he dropped them off, and then he vanished. And for three days, no one had saw or heard anything from him. Not his wife, not his family, not the police, anything. He just didn't show up anywhere. Anyway, hold on. Oh, sorry. That, that was gross. Um, <laughs> okay, so three days later, he just waltzed back into his house, and but not not in any not in any good good shape though. He was not in great shape. So let's see. Make sure I got all of the facts correct. Um, and this is coming from his wife, uh, who was named Ruth, but she said that he was missing a shoe. He had plastic handcuff around one of his ankles. He had his hands tied together with a zip tie. He could not speak, but wrote down on a uh, on a piece of paper with a pen. He wrote down that he had been kidnapped and tortured, and then he also wrote that is that he that a hallucinogenic drug had been painted on the inner lining of his throat. I don't even know how you do that. Mm. So, like, if he were to speak or swallow or anything like that, then it would go down his throat and kill him, I guess. But it doesn't say what kind of drugs. How is, how is painting it on your throat and not ingesting it, though? Because it doesn't get into your stomach? I would imagine if it's painted on your throat. Well, I mean, if you... It, I don't know. I mean, maybe a little, so it probably made him... A little bit weird, but, like, it's kind of like, I'm guessing if, like, you, you know, you rubbed it all over your arm, it's not going to kill you, but as soon as you eat it, it will. Valid. I guess. Valid. I don't even, how do you paint? I don't know. But They probably use, remember those candy paintbrushes that you dip into the powder? No. 
They probably use one of those. Or a dipstick. Or a dipstick? You can not have fun dip? Oh, you're talking about like a car dipstick. Oh, like an oil dip? Yeah. <laughs> they used a dipstick, yes. Um, anyway. Uh, right. He had this drug on the inside of his throat, and apparently it would, it would drive him insane and kill him if he ingested it. So he couldn't talk, he couldn't eat, he couldn't do anything. Um, but then he asked his wife to move his car from their driveway because he didn't want, quote, them knowing that he had returned home. But he would not say who, quote, they were. So, already getting weird. Well, here's a thing I have. So, he came home in his car, right? Right. How did he escape? Because he had been kidnapped and tortured. I would imagine they didn't just let him walk out of there and get in his car and drive away. Mm, probably not. He, he was zip-tied. That's true. But how so, did he drive if he was zip-tied? Yeah, how did he drive? How did he escape? That's like... Oh, well, maybe he was zip-tied up front. You could drive easily yeah. like that. Well, if you're... Yeah. Hey, survival tip. If you're zip-tied in the front, you can break the zip-ties by extending your arms all the way out and then pulling them as fast as you can back against your rib cage, and have the the insides of your wrists hit your rib cage, and it'll break the zip ties apart. Yeah, we're to... Survival tip if you're ever kidnapped. I'll skin my hands off. Potato yeah, peel them. But you will be free. I'll die. I think the force of the impact would break it before it'd skin your, skin your hands, though. Mm. Oh, good but yeah, know. I, I kind of want to know how he escaped. That seems like it could be a pretty big pretty big piece of this puzzle well I, he doesn't say yeah he doesn't say anything he writes down this stuff and then calls it good i don't know it's i guess that was the least important thing on his mind at the time yeah anyway moving on uh he was he told his wife to not call the police which is kind of weird you always want the police involved right right because he's saying if they if they called the police then a hit would be put on his family so not only would they be after him, but they'd also be after his family. So they left the cops out of it. But for a week, Ruth nursed him back to health by feeding him with an eyedropper, shoving that thing down his throat, past the paint, I guess, and just squeezing that crap in there. Weird. Like mother bird. <laughs> it's gross. But a week of that, that's rough. But then his voice returns, and he began to allude towards a secret identity. He claimed that he had worked as an agent for the federal government, and that he fought against organized crime. So there's a twist that even his family didn't know. And he also claimed that, again, quote, they had taken his treasury identification. So it gets a little fishy for me. It's like, oh, I work for the federal government. And it's like, but I don't have my ID. They took it. There might be another way you could prove that. Too, maybe, but yeah, but... Maybe he... Yeah, I don't know. The other odd thing to me is... Well, I mean, he, he didn't want them to call the police. I would imagine... I mean, you see in the movies and stuff, a lot of times organized crime will have cops on their payroll. So if he was dealing with oh, organized right. crime, you know, it could have been something where he knew that there were certain police officers involved, and if he would have gotten the cops involved, it could have... 
That's a good point. I didn't Ended think about that. Danger for him and his family. I wonder how. Like, I know that happens all the time in movies, but in real life, how often are police corrupt? Yeah, I I thank our policemen and respect the heck out of them. Oh, absolutely. But I also think that that kind of stuff probably happens more than we think. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe not where we live, but <laughs> probably not where we live, but somewhere. I'm you sure because you know where we live. The, all those organized crime families here. There's so many. Here in northern Utah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're they're fighting. <laughs> I mean, there's territory wars. You can't step into one place wearing a certain color. Yep. No, we're good. Yeah. But that, that could be maybe part of why he didn't want the cops called. Right. I guess that makes sense. Um, anyway, so he, he became super paranoid, which, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah I mean, if that happened to you so he began wearing a bulletproof vest everywhere i don't know where you even get a bulletproof vest but <laughs> I, I guess if you work for the Treasury, federal yeah, if you work for the federal government you probably just get one lickety split but it could probably also get a new id but that's probably the least of concerns his concerns at the time um so and then uh, from then on he started driving his daughters to and from school and he told the school um that no one else ever was allowed to pick up his children except for him like, I'm not even sure his wife was allowed to. Hmm. But, I mean, that's smart, I guess. It's safe that way. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's just being a paranoid father. Cares about his children. Good for him. And then, two months after this initial disappearance, he goes missing again. He gone. And shortly thereafter, he... Oh, Sorry. Shortly before his second disappearance, he apparently talked with his father and told him, told his father that if anything were to hap- happen to him, there was a letter that he had written that would tell them who who was responsible. So it's like, hey, if something happens to me, there's a letter and it'll say what the heck's going on, who did it, blah, blah, blah. But the the letter was never found. So you tell him where the letter was. Yeah, that seems a bit weird to me, right? Here's my letter, but you got to look for it and find it. <laughs> and it was never found. Uh, that's another weird thing. It's just like that doesn't yeah. quite add up, right? I'm not. I'm not trying to like say this is not what happened, but it's just. Just I'm just trying to point out some some things that, might, that try to yeah. get you to think. Um, when we first went over this, it didn't seem like a lot of these things were jumping out. Right, but now that we're like going through it again, it's there are a couple things just jumping out. There. Right, yeah, it's it's just a bit strange. Strange. Yeah. Um, after uh, after that, about nine days after he disappeared, a woman, uh, unknown woman, called Ruth, the wife, and said, "Quote: Chuck is all right. F me. Spell that. Ecclesiastics." Ecclesiastics. Or it'd be Ecclesiastes. That's a book in the Bible. Okay, so it says, quote, Chuck is all right, Ecclesiastics 12, 1 through 8. So it's quoting a a Bible verse, Mm -hmm. scripture thing. Um, Bible passage. And that particular um, reference, or not reference, passage, one part of it says... Men are afraid of high place and of terrors on the road. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. 
Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Now, if it, that ain't cryptic, yeah, I don't know what is. I, what, what does that have to do with him disappearing? I don't know, man. Can you interpret that? I mean, uh, I know that's the scripture. It's the Bible, so no. <laughs> it's the Old Bible, the Old Testament. No, wait, Ecclesiastes. Is that Old Testament or New Testament? Uh-huh. Oh, man, I should know that. Let me see. But, like, that's weird. Somebody randomly calls and says, first of all, it says he's all right. Like, oh, okay. But then quotes this, this, or just gives this Bible passage. Well, the thing with the Bible is a lot of times I feel like people take take it so literally. But there's so much, that I feel like it's written with too much symbolism to be able to take it literally. So, yeah, it's Old Testament, which is even harder to understand. <laughs> um but why did they use this specific passage? Like maybe the symbolism points to something literal that's happening or well, I don't know. But yeah, it's pretty cryptic. Men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. Hmm. It's a bit weird. But it doesn't stop there. We keep going and keep going. Next, two days later, Chuck was found shot to death in the desert. Despite the fact that he was wearing a bulletproof vest, he had been shot once in the back of the head with a bullet from his own 357 Magnum, which was lying beside him. In his car, police found a note that had directions to the crime scene written in his handwriting. A pair of sunglasses was also found that did not belong to him. So first of all, Two days after this chick says, he's alright, they find him dead. Shot in the back of the head with his own gun. His own gun. He's still wearing his bulletproof vest, but obviously that's not going to help if he gets shot in the head. Hmm. Um, back of the head? That might have been execution style. Yeah. I can't say for certain. But And the gun was laying beside him. And there was a note that had directions written to where he died. So he drove there. He wrote directions for some reason to get there. Meet up, maybe? I don't know. So, yeah. And then they found a pair of sunglasses that weren't his. Not something, anything too out there, but something noteworthy. Then things get real weird. On the inside of his underwear was clipped a $2 bill. Okay, maybe that's where he likes to keep his valuables. Weird, but all right. No, no. On the bill were written seven Spanish names from letters A to G. Also, the same scripture was was referenced in on on the two dollar bill, and it was marked by arrows drawn on the bill's serial number. So, like they they referenced it by drawing to like I don't know. I guess they draw a number an arrow to yeah. So they wrote. How do you say that again? Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12. They wrote that, and then they pointed to the number one, and then they pointed to the number eight, which is the same verses that were referenced on the phone number to the wife. I mean, on the phone call. Weird. And, again, so this this, this is, that's not it. On the other side of the $2 bill, um, it was, uh, 
the signers of the Declaration of Independence were numbered one through seven. Weird. That's not all, though. Also, a crude map was drawn, which shows several roads between Tucson and the Mexican border. The ro- the towns Robles Junction and Sasabe, I guess. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Let's see. Robles, where's it? Robles Junction and Sasabe. Sasabe. They, those towns were marked. A lot of information written on this $2 bill. What, do you, what, what, what? Why? I'm looking up the signers of the Declaration of Independence real quick to see who those guys were. Right. Why is that significant? <clears throat> they see. numbered them one through seven. Because I'm pretty sure, isn't that what's on a $2 bill is the signing of the Declaration? Am I wrong there? I could be wrong. I think you're right. I haven't seen a $2 Let's bill see. recently. Yeah, you can go to the bank and ask for those, though. We'll give them to you. If they have them. $2 bill. Let me see the back of it. Um, yeah, it is the signing of the Declaration. So they, I guess they put numbers above their heads, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 kind I of guess. thing. Why, though? Yeah, no idea. That's. And also there were seven Spanish names written on it. From the letters A to G. Let's see. I never found what the names were, but that's all it says. Hmm. From A to G. Someone went to a lot of trouble to get all this information on a $2 bill. And then I guess I'm guessing it was him because it was clipped on the inside of his underwear. Why a $2 bill, though, too? Maybe that's all he had to write on. Yeah, but he also Well, no, it probably has some significance because, I mean, he did number each person on the back. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. There's like so many different threads here to go off of. It's just weird. I mean, the whole Mexico angle with the Mexican border, the Mexican names. It sounds like he got mixed up in a drug thing. Uh, I'm guessing it was definitely drug trafficking. Organized crime? Yeah, that that map he drew is probably where the trades were happening or whatever. Yeah, and The smuggling routes and stuff. He knew too much. Let's see. Yeah. How does a guy from the Treasury, though? I don't know exactly what the Treasury does. I didn't think but, it was drug stuff. Yeah, I didn't think they got mixed up with drug, you know, stopping drug crime and stuff like that. I don't know. Moving of, on. Uh, yeah. Uh, two days after his death, well, I guess the finding of his death, I'm sure they could gauge how long he was dead, um, an anonymous woman spoke to an officer uh, on the telephone. She claimed that she was supposed to meet, that he, sorry, he was supposed to meet her. Um, at a local motel shortly before he died, and that uh, that she was the same woman that called Ruth and told told her that he was all right and did the the Bible reference. So that's kind of weird. Uh, she also claimed that the motel, the at the motel, Chuck showed her a briefcase containing several thousand dollars in cash. He said that the money would buy him out of a gang contract that had been put on his life. Oh. So apparently there was a contract for his head, and he was going to buy him, buy his way out of it. Who knows where he got all that money. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so get this. This is where it gets nuts. D- 
despite all of that evidence, they ruled it a suicide. Ooh. Yeah, dude. If the cops ruled it a suicide, they are totally involved with the... Yeah, that's... No way, that's a suicide. Yeah, but like, on on what basis does it say like why they ruled it a suicide? What what the reasoning was? Not really. It just says no, nah, it's a suicide. We're not going to look into it anymore. Drive out to the middle of the desert, shoot himself in the back of his head with his own gun. Yeah. Hmm. With all the, with, and draw a map and write these names and number the signers of the Declaration of Independence and all that. Tuck a two dollar bill in your unmentionables and just. Go ahead and off yourself. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. In I'm the calling. back of your head. That's that's how everyone does it like that. I'm calling a bunch of bull crap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that's crazy. Sorry. The Thatcher's getting all sad. The things get even more weird. After he died. Um... Let's see what how long it goes. Three weeks after his death, two men claiming to be FBI agents arrived at his home and told Ruth that they needed to look through the house. They tore the house apart and searched for quite a while, uh, but it doesn't. It's unknown if they ever actually found what they were looking for or if they were even FBI agents. Because when when contacted the FBI, they contact the FBI. They claimed that they had never heard of Chuck Morgan before. Hmm. So why would they send somebody to some people to investigate someone they've never heard of before? Hmm. So yeah. obviously they weren't FBI agents. They're probably part of the organized, organized crime. crime. Yeah. So what are the theories then of? Because obviously it's not a suicide. Right. I'm thinking the only theory is just that it was organized crime. He was involved in some shady business. Obviously. He had to buy out his own contract. Yeah. How the heck did he get a a price put out on his head, dude? Well, if he was... I mean, if he was with the Treasury and he was in charge of our organized crime, like he said he was, then maybe he he was close to putting... Some people away, or he knew too much, and so someone's like, all right, get rid of him. I guess people in high places make enemies easily. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, that that's crazy. Yeah, it sounds like he was involved in some shifty stuff, got in too deep, and and couldn't couldn't get out till it was too late. Yeah, and what's weird is that no government official came out and said anything like, oh, yeah, he worked for us, or no, he didn't. Right. So... Did he? Let us know what you guys think of this case, because this one's crazy, and it's got so many, like we said, so many different things that that you could go on. There's there's a ton of things. There's just so many weird things that just don't make sense. Yeah. But. Hmm. Very interesting. So, yeah, let us know what you think. If you if you think anything at all, yeah. This one kind of had some odd similarities, I thought, to one of the Alabama true crimes we did. 
Which one? Oh, that guy that was found dead in the military base. Yeah, just like on the side of a, the road, yeah. next to his car or something. Weren't like there that? a couple like odd similarities to you too? Because wasn't he found dead with like handcuffs on him? There was a note, like he was shot in the back of the head, and they said it was suicide with his own gun. Yeah, that's right. There's like a lot of odd. I forgot about that. Very odd uh, similarities there. Huh. Yeah, well, that's that's that one. Anything else you got on that? That's pretty much it. That's all the facts that I was able to conjure up. Right. And there's really not a ton of things you can start guest, guesstimating on, whatever. Well, I, I mean, mean, there's tons of stuff you can guess on, but there's like... Like, nothing. why the heck did he number the Declaration of Independence? Yeah. We don't know. Well, I mean, the sad thing, too, is that since it's ruled a suicide, they're not going to still be actively investigating no. it. No. And this happened in the 77. This was 30 right. years ago. More. Right. So, trail's probably gone really cold, but that's still sad. I just can't believe they ruled it a suicide. <laughs> yeah. Either they were, they were in on it, or they were like, we know what it was, and we don't want to get... We don't want to piss anyone off kind yeah. of thing. Well, I mean, I would if that happened to me, like in to someone in my family, and they ruled it a suicide, I would like raise some heck, dude. I would go in and do everything I could to have them investigate it more, which I mean we don't know what the wife did. I'm sure she did. Uh I read that she and a reporter tried to, you know, get some ground on it. Hmm. And the reporter tried to, you know, raise awareness so that they would look into it, but it didn't get anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I guess also at that point, if the police are involved with organized crime, they're not going to cooperate with you either. So, right. But, I mean, I don't feel like it's ever beneficial to not do anything. So, again, if you guys are ever in a situation where you feel like you need to speak up, definitely go and talk to the authorities and do everything you can to to help out cases like this, you know, that have gone cold or that have kind of, like, fallen out of the spotlight. Because everyone deserves justice. Absolutely. Yeah. Well well said, friend. Moving on? Moving on. All right. What do you got for us this time? So this one's an interesting one. It's a uh, missing persons case back from 2001. Um, the girl's name is Alyssa Turney. And she was 17 at the time. She was just finishing her junior year of high school. She went missing, I think, I'm pretty sure it was her last day. Yeah, her final day of her junior year. She went to Paradise Valley High School in Phoenix. And she got dropped off by her stepfather, Michael Turner, Michael Turney, in the morning. Um, and then I guess that day they went, he picked her up early and they went to lunch. And they had had an argument at lunch about her having more freedom because I guess Michael was really, really strict with her, and he had tons of rules for her. And so she was arguing that she deserved more freedom, and that she should be able to go out and party with her friends. And he was saying, no, like, as long as you live under my house, like, you'll live by my rules, you need to check in with me. And so he bought her a cell phone so she could check in, and he could call her when he needed to. Um, and so they had that argument at lunch, and so then later that day... So I guess Alyssa left the lunch really angry, and she just kind of stormed off. And Michael went up to pick up his younger daughter, Sarah, who's Alyssa's half-sister. So Alyssa and Sarah share the same mother who died of cancer when 
Alyssa was 11. Wait. Oh, so it's not a stepsister? It's a half-sister? It's a half-sister. So they have the same mother. But Alyssa's dad... I guess they got divorced. So Alyssa's mom and dad got divorced. So then Alyssa's then the mom married mom re- Michael, remarried when, Michael. They, when Alyssa was three. So then Sarah is the child of Michael and their mother. So they're half-sisters. Okay. Um, so after the fight, Michael went to pick up Sarah, who it was her last day of seventh grade, and they'd gone to a water park. And then after, um, I guess Michael was late picking her up. So she walked to a friend's house and called Michael and told her he was there. And then while she was there, Sarah started... She was only 12 at the time, but she was smoking cigarettes with her friends. Sheesh. Uh, yeah. What year was this again? Uh, it was 2001. 2001 is when this happened. Got it. So she was out smoking with her friends, and that was that was like the one rule that Michael had with his daughters was they, they weren't supposed to smoke because their mom died of, of lung cancer mm. from smoking. So that was like a big no-no. And Sarah said that when Michael came and picked her up, he, she didn't notice anything odd, but she said looking back... Michael didn't mention anything about her smoking, and he, she probably smelled like cigarette smoke like crazy cause because she had just been smoking just like five minutes moments before. earlier. Right, so he probably definitely noticed. But um, he still didn't say anything, even though it was a big rule. Right, he didn't say anything, and it didn't strike her as odd until later that she remembered. I mean, she was only 12 at the time. Right. But that's like one of the things she remembers is that he never said anything about it, and that's what was odd to her. Um, and so she thinks he was just preoccupied with something else. And she did say she remembers him being really frustrated that he couldn't get a hold of Alyssa. He kept trying to call her and she just wasn't answering. Um, so she was missing that whole day and they ended up going home. <clears throat> so Michael and Sarah went home and they found Alyssa's room. Um, so she had left this note and the note said, um, Sarah, you wanted me gone. Now you have it. And so the rest of her room was, um, let's see. Yeah. So her room was pretty messed up. Like her backpack was on the floor. Everything was kind of like strewn about. And that was pretty uncharacteristic for her because she was pretty tidy and neat. So that was weird. And then her cell phone was on her dresser as well. So she didn't have it on her. It was left in her room. Um, but then there's this note claiming that she left and that's what sarah wanted and then she also mentioned that she took three hundred dollars from her dad michael and that she went to california and so michael goes and files a a missing persons report and they say oh no she's just a runaway like we can't investigate it yet because she's just considered a runaway right um because teenagers do that right right but the note also like didn't mention anything about the fight with her dad it just mentioned that sarah wanted her gone and did sarah want her gone i i See, that's something I couldn't find out because Sarah loved her. Like, Sarah looked up to her. And, I mean, Sarah was 12 at the time, so um, she was kind of going through her own teenage stuff. And she, at the time, when Alyssa disappeared, she just thought, oh, like, Alyssa does this all the time. She always threatens she's going to run away. Like, she'll come back. But oh, okay. I don't think they had any beef. Um, but, yeah, I I couldn't find anything about any beef that they had. Sarah's never really come out and said that they had any beef or had anything against each other but that they were close sisters. Um, but Sarah just kind of marked it off to like, she'll be back. You know, this is fine. Um, but the other odd thing was that Alyssa had made plans to go to a party that evening for the last day of school. So her note didn't mention anything about the fight. It didn't mention anything about the party and like why, I don't know if she was planning on going to this super cool party with her friends. And then she left because of this fight. Like you would think she'd mention that. But My no. question is, 
she goes missing. They had a fight that day? Yeah. It was the same day. Who figured out that they had a fight? Did the dad tell everyone? I'm sure the dad told. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure he told. He said, because... oh, we had a fight? Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and so the police didn't really investigate. Obviously, they think it's just a, a, a runaway case. Alyssa's threatened it before. She's 17. She's kind of a rebellious teenager. Her dad has all these rules, so they see it as like, well, obviously, she's just rebelling and she's just, just acting out. So we're not going to do it yet. We're not going to investigate it. Um, there was no Amber Alert put out. And another odd thing was that she had almost $2,000 in her bank account, but she hadn't touched it. She had instead gone and stolen, apparently stolen $300 from her stepfather. Why would you not take the $2,000 you've got? Right. It's a lot more. And it's yours. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe she just needed some liquid cash real fast. I have no idea. Did they have ATMs in 2001? I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I don't, yeah. I'm sure they had debit cards. They did because in Home Alone he uses a credit card at the Plaza Hotel. You're right. And he they did. have to like swipe it in this machine that copies all the data and then later go and like give that to the bank. Uh, yeah, like it, like kind of like prints it onto a piece of paper and it imprints yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, it, like copies it on there. Um, so yeah, attorney uh, tried to file the missing persons report. They said no. And then he just went crazy and started making like tons of flyers and put him, putting them everywhere around town. And um, he just basically thought the police didn't care, so took things into his own hands. Anytime he'd go to the store or pharmacy or anywhere, he'd tell anyone he could about Alyssa. But he just like completely stopped working with the police because, in his words, they, they were lazy and they weren't helping him. So it kind of seems like he was... I don't know, he was trying to put the word out there, but not through any, like, official channels that she was missing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, then Sarah says, with hindsight, he made a fuss with everyone other than with the police, which is odd. It is odd. I don't That's know. probably who you want to make a fuss with the most. Right. So then about a week after Alyssa went missing, uh, Michael Turney received a call from what he said was a California number, and then he told reporters that the conversation was, like, kind of scrambled, and the voice on the other line said, or he he said, is this you, Alyssa? And then the voice, uh, he said he could realize it was her. And she said, ba- she said, um, let's see, leave me alone. I guess she cussed and then said, leave me alone. I don't get why she would call him if she's just going to say, leave me alone. I don't know. Like. It's kind of odd for her to call him and then not say anything other than leave me alone. That would only kindle fire kind of thing. Like, if I was looking for someone and then you called me, no matter what you said, that'll make me like, okay, I know she's alive and okay. Right. So I'm going to search even harder kind of thing. But, like, if you do want him to leave him alone, why call him and talk to him in the first place? Yeah, so it just doesn't make a ton of sense. But, I mean, she's a teenager, so maybe it did happen. Right. But this is all on the father's word, right? Right. It's all on his word. Um, So then the phone went dead. And Sarah, like, after this happened, Sarah said, like, she didn't really care about the case anymore like she was dealing with her own stuff she was a teenager like starting to experiment with drugs and alcohol at 12 by the way which is crazy young don't do drugs and she said she just kind of like really got sick of it like her sister 
her sister's case because she just chalked it up to her sister ran away and like she's fine but like let's stop how long has she been gone at this point uh just over a week okay so then as time went on throughout the summer she's feeling this like i'm just sick of this like she's just ran away like she's gonna come back it's fine you know just like shut up about it um so then fast forward to five years later in 2006 there was a serial killer named thomas albert heimer and his nickname was psycho and he was in a Florida prison, and he told a prison guard, or he handed a prison guard a picture of Alyssa and said that he had murdered her. And he said, I killed her, and I'm going to make you famous to the guard. And so he, this guy had been arrested a few months after Alyssa's disappearance. So he'd been in prison about five years. Um, in, he was arrested in Gray, Georgia. And he was driving, he got arrested because he was driving the car of a video store employee named Sandra Goodman and she had been found the day before stabbed and like basically dismembered in a hotel room and wedged under the bed. Oh, wedged, huh? Yeah. So he dismembered her body and wedged her under the bed. Kind of like shoved get 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 under there, your arm. Which is terrible. Um, But he was serving a life sentence. So So this guy has nothing to lose basically. First of all, tangent here. Um, he, so that he committed that murder in 2001, but he wasn't sentenced until 2003. I don't really know like all the inner workings of the legal system, but why does it always take years and years to know. convict people of murder? Because they always, like the defendant, the defending attorney, I guess, they always like say something that makes... I don't like what you're doing right there. Stop that. Anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, can't you like request uh like a delay or a delay or something and you can say because of this evidence that has come forth we want a uh a month recess or something like that probably yeah i don't right. i don't understand the legal system at all either but all i know is it takes forever for anything to happen i just think like isn't it once you get on death row it's like seven years before you actually get killed there are people that have been on death row for 10 15 years and it's like a random pick of who they want to kill like she's like uh this one next yeah i i don't know um if you have experience in the legal realm let us know because we could use a consultant yeah we can hire a legal intern we will pay you in snacks (laughs) you will work long hard hours for no compensation other than snacks and you get to talk to us yes um but yeah that's interesting to me but that's just a side note so going on with the case um so this psycho he never really explained like why he killed Alyssa. he just said that he did um and i guess like three years after this he wrote the investigators and said he'd killed 21 other people in the same way wow and they were all women who had dropped off the grid kind of like Alyssa, just like mm-hmm. gone missing with no <clears throat> no trace um and he like described graphically like in each case how he'd murdered him and I guess he said he killed Alyssa the same way that he killed the lady who he shoved under the hotel bed. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would have found her body in a hotel room within Did a day. Did he say it was in a hotel room? Yeah, he said it was the same way. Um, oh, wait, sorry. So he strangled her in the hotel, but he, uh, sorry, he ditched her remains at a recycling center. So he did kill her in the same way, but he didn't leave her body in the hotel room. Okay. 
So then after this happened, after he claimed this, the Phoenix PD, they flew out to Florida to like speak with the guy. And they said it didn't take long to find out that he was lying about it because they would ask him questions about Alyssa, like her physical appearance and things about her that he would have known just by seeing her. And he like got all the details mixed up and then eventually claimed that it might not have been Alyssa that he murdered. Oh, maybe it wasn't her. Yeah. Just going for attention, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's a big ser- thing among serial killers is, like, the fame of your kill. You know, you want that fame, and you want people to know that you did it. I mean, he's already in for life, so... Right. But he also claimed 21 other murders. So, like, how credible is he with those two, you know? Or, like, you just gotta take those with a grain of salt. But my guess is he was just making a reach for some fame. His he's two- getting bored in his cell. Yeah, his two minutes in the spotlight. How did he get a picture of Alyssa Turney? Uh, it was in a magazine that he had. Like, she was in a, a USA Today magazine, so he just ripped that out. Um, ah, makes which, sense. Which, there was some publicity to her case, apparently, if she was in USA Today. But the police were not investigating it. Um, but the one thing that came from this, even though he he didn't kill her, the one thing that came is that it put her case kind of back in the spotlight. So people started thinking about it again five years later. Um... And by this time, Sarah had been doing her own, like, investigating, kind of, and trying to talk to the police. So she had become the family's, like, main communication point with authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, not the father. No, not her father, because her father, remember, she said that he was trying to do everything he could except talking with the police. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of doing it on her own, but she didn't really, at the time, she didn't realize that her father was, like, not... Working with the police. It's she just, was kind of blind It wasn't to, anything that piqued her interest at the time. Right. At the time, she looks back and says she was oblivious to a lot of things because she started to realize at this time that her father was doing a lot of really, really weird things with Alyssa. Like, he had tons of strict rules with her. He had a really strict curfew. Um, he would go to her place of work, like, where she worked, and he would, like basically stalk her while she worked to make sure she was doing her job um he would always check in with her multiple times a day but then when sarah was a teenager like none of the same rules she never had a curfew she had the master bedroom in the house (laughs) like she had he bought her a fridge filled with beer when she was 17 and like kept it stocked with beer she could go out and do whatever she wanted so obviously as a teenager like she didn't really question that she's having a fun life (laughs) But looking back, she started to realize all these things that Michael did to and with Alyssa. And um, she found out that he had surveillance cameras hidden in her room and around the house. So he would, like, videotape her making out with her boyfriend. Or he would videotape her in her bedroom, you know, doing whatever. Um, Which was weird. Scandalous. (laughs) Yeah, obviously weird. Like, why would you ever feel the need to surveil your kids like that? Um, so she started to figure all this out and then all these accusations came out in 2008, uh, from some of Alyssa's friends saying that, um, that Alyssa had confided in them that Turney was molesting her and that he was just doing all sorts of things, um, to her and with her and she was scared to go to the police, but she went to her friends and confided in them. Um, And Sarah never had any suspicions of this as a teenager. She just was oblivious to it all, but still wanted 
to find out what had happened to her sister. And obviously she loved her dad. Right. Like, she loved her dad so much, and he gave her a good life. And he She had a good do... relationship with him. Yeah, she had a great relationship with him, so obviously she's not going to suspect him. Um, <clears throat> and so, one day she comes home, and there is this... It's like a like a bomb squad at their house. Um, and she sees this bomb squad outside. And the first thing she thinks is, oh man, I got to go in and help my dad. Like what's going on with my dad, you know? And the police had uncovered more than 28 pipe bombs and all these other like explosive weapons. And then 19 full, like fully loaded high caliber assault rifles. Hmm. So he had basically his own arsenal in there. Um, and then he had two handmade silencers and then he had a van that was completely filled with gasoline. Wow. And this van had always been parked out in front of their house. And Sarah said that when she was a teenager, her friends would like go and hang out in the van, like smoke cigarettes and stuff. So it had been filled recently with the gas. Um, and so they had apprehended Turney when he was collecting his mail and he had a knife on him, two loaded guns, and seven magazines of ammo. So he was like, he was packing some heat <laughs> to walk to the mailbox of all places. Um, so when they went inside his house, they found a safe and there was a 98-page manifesto in there called Diary of a Madman Martyr, which he wrote himself. And it talked about like why he had all these weapons and why he was so well-armed and he had made it tons of copies of these and he had addressed them to like all the main media outlets throughout the country like all the big news outlets Uh and and like magazines and stuff but he hadn't sent any of them out and so then it starts to come out that in the 80s uh turney was an electrical worker for a union and he was like trying to lobby for better working conditions and um he was like considered like a whistleblower in the union and i guess he was injured at work and then since he was trying to lobby for these better conditions the union was like had a grudge against him and so then michael started to claim that the union because they had this grudge on him had kidnapped and murdered Alyssa. so now he's trying to pin all this on the union and he wrote this manifesto because he said he was going to drive this van to the union with all these explosives and gas and all these guns and um he was going to drive it into the union hall and then shoot he was going to basically blow the van up shoot any survivors and then kill himself so he's so convinced or i guess quote unquote convinced that the union killed his daughter that he's going to go blow him up and kill himself and kill himself afterwards which crazy because before this no one had ever suspected him of odd behavior at all. Like, before all this started to come out, everyone said, like, oh, he's the nicest man. Like, he would always help you buy gas if you ran out of gas. Or he'd give you a ride anywhere you needed to. He'd give you a meal. Like, he'd give you the shirt off his back, you know. Just like a really well-respected man in the area. So all this was just a complete shock. And he, especially to Sarah, because she loved her dad and never knew any of this. Um... <clears throat> And it took her a while to, like, understand the significance of it all and why he wanted to kill himself and blow up the union. Um, But then she started to remember all these things from the past six years about how Turney would constantly travel to California to claim that he was, like, looking for Alyssa. 
and just all this stuff started to come out. So when the police raided his house after they seized all the weapons, um, they found all these contracts that he had made with Alyssa stating like, you have this curfew, you can't do this in the house, you can't do that. And he made her sign them. Um, and he even made her sign one that said that he had never molested her and that she couldn't disclose that. <laughs> so obviously he was probably molesting her. Yeah. If that isn't, uh, yeah, why would you put that down on paper? Right. I, I, I have no idea. But then another thing came out where, um, one of, one of Alyssa's cousins. So the nephew of, of Turney, he claims that in the late nineties, he went to Turney's house and cause he lived there for a little bit. So he went home and watched this. He found a homemade cassette that was called Dr. Doolittle. So he put it in expecting Dr. Doolittle. Great movie. And, Great movie. Yeah. Quality film. Quality film. But uh, he found that it was a video of a woman lying on a sofa and she had nothing but shorts on and there was a newspaper on her face. And he said that like he was totally convinced at that time that it was Alyssa. And then there was another room or there was another woman in the room and her face is also covered with newspaper and Turney was in the frame as well and he was just watching silently and so at that time david like packed things up and moved out and realized that uh Turney was probably involved with the disappearance, the disappearance in some way yeah. and of course Turney's gonna deny all this saying like oh david he's like a drunk he's just a young drunk guy like he's crazy you know like i never did that the tape did, doesn't exist did those uh tapes ever get found oh Oh, they did. They did. There were hundreds of them. Hundreds. Yes. He had surveillance cameras like indoors, outdoors, and everything was always seemed to be focused on Alyssa. And so there were hundreds of these. So he'd been doing this for years and years and years. Um, Oh, and also he was recording all the phone calls coming in and out of the house um, as well. So he had all that on file. And so during this time, the police find all this stuff, and it was they found it really suspicious that he had all this footage and like hundreds of films and stuff, but nothing. There was no footage of the day that Alyssa went missing, so the cameras mysteriously did not record that day. They have so much stuff, but on that day, nothing. Nothing. There's nothing. So it sounds like if it were him. The father, he was intentionally trying to hide the fact on that day, whatever happened, you know, he didn't want anyone to see what was happening, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Why would he not get rid of the rest of the tapes? Yeah, I don't know. Or why would he not try to, like, make a tape, you know, make a tape from that day or try something to show that, like, oh, I have footage from this day. Maybe he's just lazy. But then he also didn't have any footage from the day that they received the call from Alyssa from California a week after she disappeared. Um, so that was a pretty big, pretty big clue, I guess, to, to him being the alleged kidnapper slash killer. Um, but they did have enough to charge him with uh, unlawful possession of pipe bombs because he had like 30 <laughs> of them, <laughs> obviously. So in 2010, he was sentenced to a 10-year sentence in prison, um, and he only served seven of those before he got released. Just for just for explosives and whatnot? Yeah, just for, like, unlawful explosive and weapons possessions. Um, and so, yeah, so he served seven years of a 10-year sentence, and then he got out 
And yeah, so then Sarah during this time just kind of cuts off her relationship with her dad. She doesn't want anything to do with him. Um, and I mean, by this time, she's she's pretty convinced that he did it. Everyone's kind of getting convinced that he did it. But no one can prove it. He won't, like, admit to it. And Sarah has gone to him multiple times and asked him, like, if you did it, just say that you did it. Like, just get it over with and say that you did it. And he won't do it. He told her to come to him on his deathbed and to talk to him then, and he would tell her the truth. So whatever that means... It sounds like a guilty thing to me. Right. doesn't sound like if it was a not guilty thing, it would say, no, I didn't do it kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, he apparently will tell her on his deathbed. Um, but, yeah, that that's pretty much the case for now. There's a... Oh, yeah, here's another thing. So, they found... So, Sarah was digging through all of her father's stuff, and she found a map that had marked coordinates of a location in the California desert. And so, up to this point, Alyssa's never been found. Her body's never been found it's just like a cold case, pretty much. Right. Um, so this map, she sent it to police, and they did nothing with it. Like, it had specific coordinates of a location in the California desert, so like where her sister supposedly went missing, and they did nothing with it. Wow, that's yeah. weird. Right? Isn't that... I don't know. I feel like that's just kind of police negligence or laziness. Um, so that's that's another thing. I don't know if anyone has ever gone to check that out. I'm sure Sarah's done something go and check it out or maybe other people that have gotten a hold of that information have um but yeah up to this point the police have pretty much said they can't do anything to him without a confession now that he's been released from his from prison for his weapons charge they can't do anything for the illicit attorney case without a confession and he won't give it so until he's on his deathbed apparently right until he's on his deathbed um but that's the case just so much pointing to him there aren't really any other suspects either i mean maybe she did really run away maybe it was the sister maybe she didn't seem all that uh distraught when she left remember oh she'll be gone she's gone she's gonna come back don't worry about it yeah i mean she did did say you wanted me gone she did say at one point that that's how she felt that's how she remembers feeling but also she loved her sister I gotta find the quote that she said because she did mention um she said so this is a direct quote from her but i also remember sleeping in her bed every night wearing her clothes i never wanted to get rid of anything that was hers but i remained firm for a long time that she would be back at any point ready to beat me up for taking her clothes looking back in adulthood i think i was trying to be like her i was trying to fill the void of my missing sister i really really loved her i really really loved my sister so she did love her, but she's gone through her own Maybe teenage. that's her guilt coming up. Maybe. <laughs> but she was 12 at the time. I don't think a 12-year-old could orchestrate a perfect crime, mm. you know. Plus, she's very active still. She, she's gotten a petition to go around um, trying to get Michael convicted of, of the kidnapping slash murder. Because we don't know if she's murdered or not, you know. Right. Um... But that's where the case is at right now. I'm, Michael's about 70, so he's getting up there in age. We watched a, a interview with uh, Michael, the father, right? Uh-huh. That was interesting. It was interesting to watch. Yeah. Um, 
in my personal opinion, it just seemed like he was getting mad a lot of the time, and he was just trying to defend himself. Like, when I remember the guy brought up, like, what's up with those pipe bombs? He's like, oh, you can't do any damage with a pipe bomb. That's nothing. Don't worry about that. I'm <laughs> like, that's weird. 28 pipe bombs are nothing. <laughs> He's like, oh, that's nothing. That's basically a firecracker. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> but yeah, he just kind of didn't seem... How I don't know. I guess he's just kind of... He might have been big pissed after everyone's been accusing him for all these years. Right. I mean, when that becomes your life, people are thinking you're a murderer. You're probably bound to get angry when someone talks to you about it. But at the same time... Yeah, he agreed to the interview, so... At the same time, though, I mean, he's the only suspect, really, that they have. And everything... Just all the weird behavior that he had with Alyssa... The fight, you know, everything just kind of points to him. And motive, like, I don't know that we could effectively say what his motive was. Other than that maybe Alyssa was just a pain in his butt and he wanted to be rid of her. Maybe she during the fight she said, I'm going to go to the police about what you've been doing to me all my yeah. life kind of thing. That's and a good point. I, I didn't think about that, yeah. Because clearly he was molesting her. Right, and he's denied that too. Of course he does. He's denied everything. and But the, <laughs> the videotapes of her basically naked. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, in my personal opinion, I, I definitely think he did it. There's just too much that that shows otherwise, like that doesn't show otherwise. There's too much that, that points to him, in my opinion. Right. And obviously it, it sucks that they can't convict or prove without a confession. There's still no evidence. Maybe if someone followed that map, I don't know. What they would find. Yeah, what they would find, um, if anything. But I'm interested it's to weird know if anyone's ever done even, it, you know? Why didn't the police even look at that? Right. I feel like... What, it's a couple hour drive? What, what What's the harm? Or pass it to the California authorities and say, here, here's this clue we got of this case. Can you go check it out? You yeah, know? seriously. But I I bet, though, there's got to be someone that's that's gotten the information of the coordinates or something and gone there themselves. I would think, with all the publicity that the case has gotten over the years, mm-hmm. you know, there's got to be someone that's tried that to help out. I'm sure Sarah's tried something with it, and I'd be interested to see what the results were if anyone's done that. But if not, yeah, it just seems like complete negligence. I mean, I feel like as police, you would want to turn over every single rock that you could and follow any like legitimate, viable lead. That seems like the most viable, like one of the most ones. Like, hey, I found coordinates to a desert. Yeah, in California where she supposedly went missing. Yeah, from her father, who was, like, the number one suspect. So, it's it's a crazy case. It's still unsolved. I, in my opinion, it's basically solved. But let us know what you guys think. If you have any other details on the case, you know, let us know. Also, just speaking of this, never be afraid to go to authorities Sorry. if something's happening in your life or somebody else's life that isn't good. You know, never be afraid to go to... the go to the police and get help just always be sure that you're 
doing everything you can to protect yourself and protect others as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Never be afraid to go to the police. Something is happening to you or someone you know, and they need help, make sure they get it. Right. So that's it for the illicit attorney case. If you know anything more that we missed or maybe got wrong on either of these cases, let us know. We'll we'll definitely bring it up again in the next episode. We'll make sure that uh, we get that fixed. Um, and let us know if there's any specific cases or paranormal things or anything that you want us to talk about. Uh, we'll definitely research it and see what we can find and get it known to all the other listeners of the old tangent podcast um on that note share with your friends yep let's let's and donate to the do fund donate to the do fund check us out on social actually today we're drinking rhino rush rhino rush so that was weird <laughs> i prefer do it was but, pretty weird yeah, yeah. You can you can just never go wrong with a classic dew. You really can't. You got so many solid flavors too. So many, yeah. No, there's. I don't think I dislike any of them. If I'm being honest, dude, I learned there's a new flavor I've never tried. Huh? It is the KFC exclusive flavor. Oh. Called Sweet Lightning, and Sweet. it is a peach Mountain Dew. Ooh. Which sounds kind of funky, but I want to try it. I hope it tastes like Peachios or Peachios. Oh, Peachios. Yeah. That would be awesome. Have you ever had yeah. the one at Sam's Club? No. They have an exclusive one at Sam's Club. It's, oh, it's called like, like Blue Ty- Typhoon. Blue Typhoon. Yeah, like that. that's pretty good. It tastes like a Slurpee. That's yeah. basically it. It's just it's sugar. Good. It tastes like blue sugar. Well, that's what all Mountain Dew is, is sugar and caffeine and carbonated water. Yep. Yeah, so donate to the Dew Fund. Um, we want to hear from you guys, too. We definitely want to have fan-driven content so we make sure we're getting out what you guys want to hear we do have some fun topics coming down the pipeline um we want to talk about mothman pretty soon mothman that one's crazy i think we could do like multiple episodes on like mothman and flying humanoids and uh i was telling austin about uh similar appearance it's called the the blackbird of chernobyl uh, chernobyl which some people claim are the same creature but no it's super it's super interesting uh, we'll, we'll talk about that soon. Or maybe we'll go on to the next state, which... How many more A states are there, my word? Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. We got Arkansas next. Arkansas. Dude, I looked into Arkansas, though. There aren't... I don't know. I haven't been able to find anything super cool yet. So if you're from Arkansas, let us know. Because the local legends from the locals are always the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There was a cool UFO sighting on a military base. We'll go over there. That was like a huge military or a huge reported UFO sighting, so that one will be fun. But let us know from Arkansas. We need some ideas of legends there. Yeah, let us know soon. We'll look into it for um, sure. And again, we'll do a we'll do a fan section. If you want to send us something for us to read, we'll we'll do that right at the beginning. We'll read whatever you want, basically. Or set up a Skype call. We can do that. Do a live live interview with you on the pod on the pod all right well i think that's it yeah got anything else i got a dad joke to end this oh, out let's hear it all right let, let me make sure i get you a good one 
I thought you had one at the ready, man. I got one right here. Ready? Okay. This isn't really like, it's not like a answer joke. It's just a, a sentence. It's a, I finally cut ties with someone who was dragging me down. Mountain climbing with a friend is hard. <laughs> you get it? I do. It's a little morbid. Oh my gosh. Here's one. Today my son asked, can I have a bookmark? And I burst into tears. 11 years old and he still doesn't know my name is Brian. <laughs> get it? Bookmark. Bookmark. Ah. All, right, all right, all right, let me redeem myself. As I handed my dad his 50th birthday card, he looked at me with tears in his <laughs> eyes and said, You know, one card would have been enough. <laughs> I love that one. My dad actually tells me that on my birthday, or on his birthday, like every year. He tells that joke all the time. That's a good one. <clears throat> Here's another one How do you make holy water? I don't know. Boil the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us your dad jokes, too. We love dad jokes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fun facts, space news, yep. tech, news, tech news, dad jokes. Get us all of it. Yep. All right, well, this is Jack and Austin peacing out. Thanks peacing for tuning in. Out. Uh, Sorry, what? I said thanks for tuning in. Oh, thanks for tuning in. Follow us on the Instagrams and all the other things. Um, send us your stuff and share with your friends, please. And thank you for listening. We really appreciate all of our listeners very much. You guys are the best and we will catch you in the next one. Over and out.